0: Now tuning in to Earbud Media, audio for everyone.
1: Um, hey, we're back. Oh my God, we're back. We're back. Before we get into our theme song and then our recap, we'd like to have a little bit of a break to discuss something very important of you.
0: Yes, indeed we would. So Bryce and I decided to make this a bi-weekly podcast because we thought that would give us enough time to really edit and to process and to also be to grad students that are making a podcast <laughs> in their spare time. However, uh, making this a bi-weekly podcast means uh, two weeks of the world news goes by. Mm. And my God, there has been a lot happening. So I wanted to do a quick little tiny recap. Uh, There have been a lot of events happening, of course. Good, bad, some overwhelmingly bad. And there have been two big events that have gone by in recent weeks that I'd like to talk about. The first one was that Brett Kavanaugh was confirmed to Supreme Court. And the second one is that just yesterday, the New York Times found a leaked memo from the Department of Health and Human Services that declares that the current administration is attempting to qualify sex and gender as the same thing and something that is determined biologically from birth and uh, cannot ever be changed And if it's in question would have to be tested genetically, which is a load of horse crap. So anyway, um, the reason I wanted to talk about this is with Bryce and my identities, we have just by way of existing in this world, we have politicized identities and this is a show about witches, uh, AKA historically maligned and hunted well, traditionally women, but really witches can be people of any gender. And this podcast kind of does a lot of heavy lifting in that way because it's at once a space for Bryce and I to come and you know work on our friendship. Pff, that sounds like it needs work. <laughs> um, it's a space for I for it's a space for Bryce and I to come talk about what we really want to talk about, have fun, and be together as friends, but it's also really a space for us to talk about what we need to and process what we need to. And with the theme of this podcast being empowered women who are attempting to destroy the forces of evil, it's impossible for this not to be at least inherently a politicized space. So I just wanted to say that while this podcast is us ranking the melodrama of warlock deaths, it is also political, and I can't apologize for that, because it's just the way we are. Um, on a lighter note, I just wanted to say something really cool that happened, two really cool things. The first is, there was a ritual <laughs> to hex Brett Kavanaugh, which I accidentally went to. This is a true story. I'm not kidding. I didn't try to go. Um, But my friend and I were just trying to check out Catland, which is an occult bookstore, because we thought, oh, this would be cool. He wanted to go see some astrology books. And I was like, this will be great for the pod. And then we get there, and there's like a riot, (laughs) a near riot happening outside. And we realize it's because people are gathering to... Hex Brett Kavanaugh. And then also there is a counter to that, which is extremist Christians. And so we're both hanging out there. And um I I'm a little spooked because it, it's an incredibly tense atmosphere. So we're just kind of watching and of course wishing our wishing the Hexers well. Meanwhile, uh there's media gathering and two outlets come to try to interview me because I'm just standing there watching and I'm wearing a black hat (laughs) and I am convinced that the only reason they're trying to interview me is because they think it's a witch's hat and I would just like to say I said the best I could, I wish them all well, and sure I'll take it. (laughs) I'll be a witch. Okay so that's the first thing. Mm -hmm. Second thing, yesterday Right after this memo was leaked and this story was broken by the New York Times, um, there was a rally organized by Lambda Legal, by the Trans Law Center, by a bunch of other really awesome organizations, by uh, NITAG, which is the New York Trans Advocacy Group, and everyone should look them up. Um, There was a rally organized in Washington Square Park, and I decided to go. And I thought it was really important to show up for people who needed support, who needed bodies, who needed allies, and it was an incredible rally, a lot of really amazing speakers, and there was one incident which reminded me of this show, and it was that one of the speakers, um, her name is Meredith, and she is, I don't know if it is current or former editor-in-chief of Them magazine, which is... Very cool publication, and she had a wonderful speech, and then she led everyone in a chant of "We have the power <laughs> yes, <laughs> which was I could only immediately think of what I'd said before of "We want the power, give us the power. It's like an energizer bunny thing, mm-hmm. but it was powerful it It actually helped. It was a chant, and it felt like everyone was connecting and realizing what their voices held. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to say all of that as succinctly as I could Mm -hmm. and say that if you are feeling you need a space of solidarity, of allyship, or just of listening to something that is about empowering people who typically are mistreated or marginalized, uh, I think Bryce and I are both with you, Mm -hmm. essentially, so please check out NYTAG, check out the Trans Law Center, and if you have any other suggestions of amazing groups working to make a difference, let us know.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. That was long-winded. That was
1: beautiful, Shana. Thank you. We do this pod, well, primarily for ourselves. (laughs) We're selfish people, Mm -hmm. but... um, We're not not generous people, and I think that if you're a listener and you're trying to actively engage in the same kind of discussions that we are attempting to hold a discourse about, then we support you and we want you to feel like you're listened to as well. Yeah, very well said. Thank you. And
0: now on to demon deaths.
1: Ah, (laughs) my favorite. Um, All right. Okay. So... We're going to create a little outline for us to navigate through this episode by giving you the plot of the episode through the eyes of each of the three sisters. The episode that we're focusing on today is season one, episode two. Uh, I've got you under
0: my skin. Yeah, you were right. I've got you under my skin. Hell
1: yeah. It's been a while since we recorded this. Yeah. Uh, It's been a while since we've um, seen this episode because we recorded this once last week and it did not, well, it kind of... We really took a a turn there. It was a bit of a mess. Um, I'll play for you the only salvageable clip from that
0: prior recorded uh, segment. Yeah, so they start the argument about magic and then it turns into an argument about sex. And then it's an argument about sex and magic and whether you should be ashamed of using sex magic. (laughs) (laughs) How did we get here? (laughs) I don't know. I think that was the greatest sentence I've ever done. (laughs) And I gotta say that uh, the reason that it was a mess is because I was a mess emotionally um, after Supreme Court news, and so we're recording again as an act of (laughs) self-care. Yes.
1: Mm -hmm. All right, so I'm Bryce. I'm Shayna. And this is... Charmed!
2: A a spellcast. Spellcast! the witches with the really nice hair and a penchant for 90s style and kicking ass and taking names when names are worthwhile and knowing how to fight like girls
0: I've Got You Under My Skin was aired October 14th, 1998. It was written by Brad Kern, and it was directed by John T. Kretschmer.
1: Uh, um, Before we get any further in this episode, yes, there will be spoilers, so if you have not watched or you want to watch, we recommend you do that now. So in this episode, Piper, Prue, and Phoebe go through three different character arcs. Let's talk about Piper first. So Piper, we find out, has quickly graduated to running the restaurant that she was auditioning for in the previous episode. And then she also has a bit of an emotional struggle wherein she tries to come to terms with the fact that she is a witch and how does that really reflect on her morally and how does it reflect on her past interpretation of what she is like on the inside. Uh, Phoebe meanwhile is having a bit of a different, more external conflict in which she engages in a relationship with someone who might not actually be who they say they are, and in fact, might be trying to murder her. Murder! So, um, Phoebe uh, meets a person, she gets into a very terrifying conflict, and there has to be some kind of magical resolution. Uh, We'll get into that later. Um, And then meanwhile, Prue is having a different emotional arc, one that is not so, uh, what's the
0: word? Violent? <laughs> one, one that is far more mundane. Yes. I would say.
1: Yeah, I think it's one that um, the average watcher, could, the average viewer could probably connect to on a more day-to-day basis. Um, she goes through kind of an, um, a romantic um, plot. Line.
0: Yeah, she's heavily involved. Well, both in a romantic plot line and then also in a professional plot line.
1: Ah, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So I think she connects us the most to what we assume this the this image of a professional working woman would be working through in her daily life. Um, and then we have the uh, other two sisters who are figuring out like, what do I do now that I'm a witch, and also how do I not get killed because I'm a witch?
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they really. So we've, we've yeah. got three different genres in this episode. Yeah,
1: it's a it's a real fun. Uh, romp. Okay, so let's get into it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something different because we are short on time and we're consummate professionals. Uh, I'm gonna describe the beginning of each scene and then we're gonna say, do we want to talk about anything in it? And if we do, we're gonna stop and we're gonna reflect on the important topic that we wanted to hit. Okay, so first scene. Um, Piper runs a restaurant. Uh, we learn that they agreed to not use their powers and we also find out that Prue has just slept with Andy.
0: There's so much in this scene. I don't know how we're gonna do this because there's so much in this. Okay, so uh, first very important thing is that Phoebe is wearing the cutest barrette ever. (laughs) Bring back that hairstyle, fashion watch. Um, Second thing that is very important is that obviously we have a conflict between Piper and Phoebe in terms of attitudes about how to use their powers. Prue is absent from this conversation, but her presence is very strongly felt on the side of Piper, no. I'm afraid to use my powers because I don't know how to control them. I could accidentally freeze this entire restaurant. Mm. Phoebe, meanwhile, is having the time of her life <laughs> and uh, uses her powers to pick up a man, which Piper is aghast at. Um, so that's, we, we're setting up the opposite poles mm-hmm. yet again. Third thing that is very important in this, this uh, pre-credit scene yes. is that, oh, Important thing, of course, is that we see Brittany, we get the setup with she has a hand tattoo. That is one thing, yeah. And then she gets kidnapped by someone in her car. So that's the setup for like the main action, I would say, Mm -hmm. of this episode. And then before the credits roll, we have Inspector Trudeau. Prue, who have just spent the night together, and Prue is sneaking the heck out, and the alarm goes off, and she throws it out the window with her powers. (laughs) So even though Piper alleges that Prue is on the train of not using their powers, Mm. I don't don't think Prue totally is. I don't think Prue totally is. Mm -hmm. I think Prue's a little bit of a hypocrite.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, she'll she'll say outwardly, I don't think we should use it because of this reason and that reason, and also I'm very responsible, and I believe that we should all be responsible. But, you know, on her own, when she has her own ability to make a judgment call, she can bend the rules a bit, probably because she feels she, she has that authority.
0: Oh, yeah. she, d- Prue definitely feels like she has authority more than, I think, any of the three sisters, even though Phoebe does what yeah. she wants. Phoebe has... What I think she
1: believe, I think Phoebe believes she has a lot of agency. Yes. I think Prue she has a lot of authority. And I think that Piper has a lot of... Anxiety. Anxiety! <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. I think that was really what, all we needed to talk about for that scene. Uh, so now we're doing the scene after the credits. And I think this is one we should spend some time on. It's the family meeting scene.
0: Yes. But before we get to that, yeah. do you remember where we are? Is it... San... San... San- Clara? Santa Clara? Yeah, I think so. San Francisco! Ah, Okay, get a shot of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Gratuitous. Gratuitous. Are you sure? My memory is short. Okay,
1: are we in Full House? <laughs> That's right, we do yeah. this like weird um, montage of San Francisco scenes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this looks like a Full House intro. Sometimes the <laughs> world looks perfect. All right, okay. so we uh, we zoom in onto the Hallowell man. Well, we don't really, but like pretend that we are. We zoom in onto the Hallowell, Hallowell Mansion, and um, everyone's there, it's the morning time, and we're having a family meeting.
0: Yes, and before that, Piper is watching a documentary on the Salem Witch Trials. Oh, yes, um, yes, that, I think that's important to discuss. Yeah, and, uh, and you can see the anxiety in her eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which tells her that she will be punished for being a witch. So that worry is a Bruin.
1: Yeah. It's from this documentary that she learns that if you are a witch and you approach a church, you might get zapped by lightning.
0: Yeah, because God likes killing people, Zeus. He smites. Manners. Yeah. God smites witches. That's what Piper learns. Mm -hmm. So then um, Phoebe comes
1: in and... uh, Piper's like, oh, where were you last night? Did you go out with that guy that you picked up with your mind powers when we told you not to do that? And then Prue comes in, and
0: they're like, oh, where were you last night? <laughs> where were you? The only person who was home was Piper. Yeah,
1: she was watching her witch documentaries. Watch-
0: Piper is recovering from her boyfriend having been a warlock trying to kill her by watching documentaries about God wanting to kill her.
1: Relatable. Relatable. Um, so I think at this point it's really just, we should just say that Phoebe and Prue, this is where we learn that they have differing opinions, not just on magic, but also on relationships and sex.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's complex, Mm -hmm. I would say, especially because this episode was written by a man. Mm -hmm. Um, and actually, even though it was created by Constance M. Burge, uh, the entire writing staff on this were men.
1: Oh really? Yeah,
0: I just looked up the IMDb and all of the like associate writer, assistant, oh, you know, God. exec, all men.
1: You know, uh, I'm sorry to butt in right here, but uh, I'm working on this play right now called Spring Awakening as stage manager, and uh, there's it's it's about a bunch of German teenagers who learn about sex, abortion, suicide, like really heavy things, and there's this one character named Melchior who is one of the main boys. And he's teaching his friend Moritz about um, what sex is. And Moritz is, like, reading his, like, notes on it. And Moritz is, like, how do you know how the girl feels? Because they're talking about, like, male-female sex. And Melchior is, like, oh, I just try to imagine it, you know? And I, and I, like, try to picture what it's like to give yourself and relinquish control. And everyone who was, like, working on that scene was, like, what? Yeah. Who's <laughs> <laughs> the f- It's a very, um, yeah, it wasn't, I mean, the play was originally written in the 1800s in Germany, so it kind of gives you an idea of, like, and it was also written by a man, so it gives you an idea of, like, the way that sex was viewed back then.
0: Yeah. So right now on this podcast, what we're doing is we're talking about something that men wrote, and we're recontextualizing it um, as two women talking about women talking about sex. (laughs) 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 Um, Okay, so how does Phoebe feel about sex? So Phoebe is kind of like, whatever.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, do your thing. Do Do whatever you want. Do whomever you want, Mm -hmm. as long as they give enthusiastic consent. Mm -hmm. I added that part, but I think she feels that way as well. Yeah, I think so. Prue says, well, okay. Essentially, Prue cops to like, yeah, I had sex great. It was fine. Even though she doesn't really feel that way because she has a storied past with Andy. But essentially on the topic of sex, she is criticizing Phoebe, but I think it's more to do with Phoebe's overall irresponsible, Mm -hmm. irresponsibility, Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a word, Um, as a person that pro-perceives rather than just Phoebe having an active sex life.
1: Yeah. I think also she just has a very traditional sense of like how relationships should proceed. Mm -hmm. And um, perhaps that that is also in line with like her very conventional ideas of like how we should be using magic because magic is not conventional, so we shouldn't use it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Prue's ideas are very regulated. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Like there should be rules in place. And even though I'm going to bend and break them, and Phoebe's ideas are very free market. No, it's, they're not capitalist. But Phoebe's ideas are very <laughs> free and uh, do whatever you want. And Piper, again, in my favorite line, um, don't put me in the middle. I'm not. You were born in the middle. Piper is in the middle of the two, frightened and not really sure what to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
1: I, I, um, so we talked about how Phoebe is like, more free-spirited, um, Prue is more conventional, and I think we discussed in our last episode that Piper is very um, entrenched in her ways. Yes. I don't know, I feel like we said it better, I said it better last time, but I don't really quite remember how I said it. But um, it's not so much that she's like, as conventional or like she believes in certain things, but I think it's like she was taught a certain way and now she wants to
0: stick with like she has a very certain sense of self. Yeah, she well she knows who she is mm-hmm. essentially, mm-hmm. and she knows, or she thought she knew she, she thought she knew who she was, mm-hmm. and now the order of the world has been mixed up, and she doesn't know where she fits in it.
1: Yeah, um, and the other important thing we learned during this family meeting is that someone has been abducting women because, I, I guess. Inspector Andy Trudeau's bedside talk is also to say what is it pillow talk? His pillow talk is just to say, like, by the way, here's the daily crime stats for <laughs> San Francisco. His, of the week. his bedside manner.: Yes, is
0: uh, incredibly charming.
1: Yeah. He's like, "Oh, that was great. Also someone's murdering woman out there." <laughs> so take care OK. next scene, uh, we're at the detective place, and I think this is not that important to get into.
0: No, we just learned that Brittany has not been seen at home.
1: Yeah, and Brittany is the three sisters' friends.
0: Yeah, the friend friend that they've always had that the show needed to set up as Mm -hmm. the friend they've always had because that's how sitcoms work. Well, not sitcoms necessarily. That's how serialized television works. I feel so immersed in the experience. I'm part of this. I apparently
1: know who this person is. Yeah, incredible. Okay. So now I go to an actually important scene, which is Piper at the church. So Piper learned in the the, uh, opening... Uh, after credit scene that if you're a witch, you can get zapped by lightning, apparently. Um, so now she's at the church because, you know,
0: she's a, she's a scientist. She wants to have empirical evidence. Exactly. And I say go you doing your own study <laughs> on yourself. Um, well, taking a survey, really, Yeah, is yeah. what she ends up doing.
1: It, it's observation. Is this, is this an ethnographic <laughs> research method?
0: <laughs> yeah, this is. Um, is this an ethnographic documentary? Are we learning about witches through an ethnographic documentary yeah. on witches?
1: And she is a witch, so it's participant based research? It's a self ethnography. Well, that is rare. Incredible. Uh,
0: this show was really ahead of its
1: time. <laughs> so um, she's at the church, she's in her car, she's looking at it, she's like, oh, am I going to get zapped if I go to the front doors?
0: And then the pastor? The pastor, whomever. Yeah. We still don't know exactly who he is because we don't know church lingo. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a Jew. Bryce is... My f- parents are, I think Taoist. So... But
1: I think they got into it accidentally. They went to like some meeting and there was like free food and
0: now they're Taoists. <laughs> that is, that's also how I became a Jew. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was both sides of the family. You can tell because of family dinners. Okay. And her name is Shayna. Yeah, if you didn't have a clue already, <laughs> now you
1: know. Uh, so, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to keep this moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, she's like talking to the pastor, and the pastor's like, oh, you're here early. Normally you like drop off the free food, that, or the food that you have left over for the homeless later on. And Piper's like, oh, I'm just here. I have a question. Um, do you think that witches are evil, uh, and should they go near churches? And the pastor's like,
0: yes, they are. Well, he doesn't say it in so many words, but. He, he says something like, well, let me put it this way. <laughs> It would be a bad thing, essentially. So, and and he has like the kind of same thing to say throughout all of these scenes of Piper asking, mm-hmm. which is like, well, well, let me put it this way. And it's, it's kind of in almost like a joking manner, mm-hmm. but then it's something really, really serious. <laughs> well, let me put it this way. You know how witches should die? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much how it is. And also, I have to say trope, 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 trope. Mm -hmm. favorite line in this is, in this little scene, is uh, Piper actually asking, like, do you think magical creatures exist, Mm -hmm. is kind of her opening to this. And the pastor says, what, like, vampires? She's like, ah, vampires. I just really like (laughs) magical (laughs) entities denying the existence of other magical and mythological entities. I think it's really funny. Okay. Uh, All
1: right, so moving on. So now we're going to um, the auction house that Prue did not work at. Oh, we forgot something. What did we forget? Piper
0: takes a long-ass walk to the church steps. Yeah. Because she's about to test it, and before she can put her hand on the door, there's a crack of thunder. Yes. Or a roll of thunder. A (laughs) rumble. A rumble of thunder. And she freaks the heck out and runs away. She scurries. Um,
1: It's a familiar action. I've done it myself. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so now I go to an auction house that Prue is about to interview at because she has been scouted for a job, and she's on the phone in the elevator talking to Andy because Andy's like, you ran out last night. Why? And Prue was like, I'm having a conversation uh, in an elevator that's packed with people who are pretending not to
0: listen. Packed with men. <laughs> yeah. Who are pretending not to listen but are definitely judging me. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. One of the, uh, okay, important line that I was really upset at Andy about is Andy is making this call at work, and he knows that Prue is busy, and he's, he's still making this call. And he says like, something like, well, are you ashamed of us like, making love or something like that? Uh, it's like, Andy, stop being a provocateur <laughs> right now. This is not the right place. This is not the right time. Inappropriate. Maybe that's his kink. Oh, my God. <laughs> Am I king um, All
1: right. So the main thing to take away from this is that Andy and Prue have a discussion about the fact that they slept together. And Prue doesn't think they should have so early. And Andy was like, what's wrong with that? And also, Prue is at an auction house to get an interview for another job. And also, she um, uses her magic to quickly zoom to the top floor where her interview is at. Yeah. And so,
0: obviously, yes. again, a hypocrite.
1: Yes. And uh, there's a bunch of people who are listening to her, pretending not to listen. So we go back to the restaurant um, that Piper now runs, apparently, and uh, Phoebe's talking to a tall photographer type, tall, dark, brooding, very New York. His Mm -hmm. name is Stefan, and he's apparently very well-known in the photography world.
0: Yeah, Stefan, stupid, one-name misogynist of the low voice. Predatory! That's what I wrote in my notes. (laughs) Predatory with three exclamation points. I got a bad (laughs) feeling about this guy, even though his name reminds me of the SNL character. Okay. So then we go back to the auction house and this time Prue is
1: actually at her interview and it turns out the guy who's interviewing her, who now owns this auction
0: house, was in the elevator. And was eavesdropping on a private phone call and judges her for it Mm -hmm. really hard. Mm -hmm. Inappropriate. Yet again, all these men being inappropriate.
1: Yeah, like you can have a personal
0: life and still be a professional. Yeah, imagine that. We do it. Uh, Sorry, I take that back. We're not very professional. (laughs) (laughs) But we try really hard. Anyway, men in this episode, do better. So Prue says a big statement about how she's
1: the best person for this job and how if he doesn't hire her, he's making a mistake because nobody's as good at what she does as she is. So good for Prue. Good for Prue. She's confident and she knows what she's about. Yeah. Uh, Cut to Stefan.
0: Yes, the occult, satanic Porsche shoot with some wild rock music.
1: Yeah, the rock music was a good touch. It really, really put me in the mindset of what's going on here.
0: Satanism. Also, cars.
1: (laughs) So a lady is strapped down to some slab, and she's like, Stefan, don't do this. And Stefan emerges from the shadows, and he's like, no it's not Stefan anymore. It's Javna. <laughs> and he's no longer tall, dark, and brooding. Very New York. Now he's old, decrepit, very wrinkly. Uh, maybe still a little bit New York. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, it's it's like what you look like if you live in New York for more than a few months.
0: <laughs> and he's got laser eyes. Oh, yeah. He's looking to his laser eyes. Oh, my God. So he's got laser eyes, and he literally sucks the life out of the young lady on the table, which is really freaking scary.
1: Yeah. Um, Not her life, but her age. I guess it's her life. It's her life. But she doesn't die.
0: She doesn't die. She becomes old instantaneously. Yes. Okay. Um, cut back. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I have to say one more thing about this scene. Okay, and then I'll wait. Yeah. Okay, okay so he sucks the life out, he turns back into Stefan, and then he holds up the well-placed <laughs> circular mirror, and he goes, look at me, I'm gorgeous. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the mirror is so great. We discussed this earlier, but it's so great because it just cuts off
0: all of the borders of your face. Exactly. You can only see like his eyes, his nose and his mouth. Not not really his chin, not his forehead really. It's just this little circle of a demon admiring himself. <laughs> good for him.
1: Um, also, for those who are following along at home, yes, sometimes I'm mi- mixing up the actual order of the scenes, but you know what? This is my podcast. I'll do it how I want to. Uh, so now we're doing a <laughs> scene in front <laughs> of the church in which Piper and Phoebe are unloading the car probably extra food from the restaurant that um, Piper's giving away for uh, charity purposes. And uh, Piper says y- you probably should be more careful um, dating people. And Phoebe's like,
0: Um, Yeah, so Phoebe is helping Piper unload Mm -hmm. and bring the food to the church. Mm -hmm. And they're having a conversation about sex in which Piper says to Phoebe, like, you should really be more careful. And she says this thing in which she's like, wait, you've had sex on the first date? Don't answer that. Which is a mindset that I don't relate to anymore, but I did at one point and could be construed as prudish, (laughs) prudish, (laughs) okay, Um, but also really just, I think, is trying to connect with Piper as a cautious character, and Phoebe is a character who is saying, you know, don't judge me for this. Um, I have the right to use my powers however I want. I have the right to have sex, whomever I want. So it's basically just an echoing of their big family meeting. Um, And then there's this age-old, my friend has a problem, Mm -hmm. which is just, again, Piper talking to the pastor about witches again, Mm -hmm. which he says. And in this, he says, in no uncertain terms, if you go by the Bible, a witch shall not be suffered to live. You should put her to death.
1: Yes. Uh, And then also... Phoebe goes over on a little walk, and she is buying some gum or something, and she sees a couple trying to buy lottery tickets, and she sees into the future, discovers what their winning lottery numbers are, tells it to them, and is like, oh, I think I will also buy a lottery ticket. Mm-hmm. So she's so, trying to use her powers for personal gain.
0: Exactly. So the only person who is not using her powers for personal gain is Piper.
1: Yeah, so the detectives are staking out the restaurant where um Piper works, because that is where a lot of girls have been disappearing from, and as we know, there is someone out there abducting women. Um, And inside the restaurant, apparently, this is just like a powwow for every friends and family to just kind of talk and hang out. So Phoebe's uh, on a date, Uh, Prue comes in, and pulls Phoebe to the back room and gets into arguing about this. Piper's like, hey, I'm working
0: here. Uh, can we not do this? Can we not be in my kitchen uh, arguing about magic and also sex? Because those are the two things I'm uncomfortable with. <laughs> She's like, my uh, neuroses right now? All of them are All just of like... of <laughs> right here. My sisters, sex life, magic. My Fuck. job. <laughs> oh, shoot. Uh, and then
1: Andy comes in because he sees that... Prue has entered the restaurant and he had been staking it out. So he comes in and now it's like, well, you know, let's just throw another person into the mix. What could go wrong?
0: Andy, again, not being a professional, not doing his job. And Piper freezes everyone because she is freaking the heck out and Mm -hmm. she needs them all to stop. Mm -hmm. And the witches don't freeze. So this is where we get this very important piece of information in this universe. You can't freeze witches.
1: Yes. Uh, And then... I really think there's nothing that much interesting after this, it's just that everything unfreezes, um, everyone disperses, and Piper says, I hate being a witch. Yeah. All right, so then we cut to, oh, this is a good scene, actually. So now we talk about Piper.
0: Mm -hmm. She's in the attic of their house. She's Mm -hmm. looking through the book. She's looking through the Book of Shadows, and she has a contemplative moment, and Phoebe finds her and asks what she's doing, something wrong. And Piper goes on this, not rant at all, but she has this monologue about how their whole lives, they've been like everybody else, and now suddenly they're different and their differences are negative because the world sees them as something that should not exist. Whew. My God, okay. So uh, this was a scene, one of the scenes that stuck out the most to me, Um, You should get used to the fact that I'm just always going to be talking about things from a queer lens. But this is a rejection of an identity. And it's the reason Piper is rejecting her identity is because external factors and forces are telling her that she should. That it's not right. That even though it's in her inheritance and her heritage and it's something that was always meant to happen she should not be alive because of this identity. And she's feeling the weight of all these pressures and she is crumbling under them. And I resonated with this so hard because it is difficult. That's an understatement. It is so hard. It is excruciating to live in a world in your real identity and have so many different people and things and institutions tell you that you should be ashamed of how you are as a person, not of what you've done, just who you are. But we do get a bright side to this. We get Phoebe being the most calming force, I think, in this scene and being a voice of positivity and optimism and telling Piper, no, this is incredible. It's amazing that we're different. It's amazing that we have these abilities that nobody else has, and we're going to have these experiences that nobody else has. And you're a good witch, and you're going to save people. You you, already have. And you're a good person. And you're a good person. Doesn't matter who you are, you're a good person. Ah, There's a lot to unpack in that about Phoebe making a distinction between a good witch and a bad witch because this world is not morally ambiguous. It's very black and white. It's either you're a good witch and you're doing good deeds or you're a warlock or a bad witch or a demon and you're going to kill people. So they, they don't have a lot of wiggle room in that, but at least Piper gets this other voice aside from the voices in her head and aside from this documentary and the pastor <laughs> and, you know, the entirety of Catholicism and Christianity. She gets to listen to her sister, someone who loves her, someone who has her best interests at heart, even though she doesn't always agree with her method of mm-hmm. going about life, who's there to tell her that. None of these other criticisms matter. You are a good person, and you should be able to embrace yourself.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And I think it's important that um, Phoebe is someone who is also a witch, so Mm -hmm. she is coming from an insider perspective, and it's the sharing of two experiences, I think, that makes um, Piper feel less alone. Yeah, this is family.
2: Yeah.
1: In psychological research, there's something called the minority stress model that has been discussed at length by the great Mark uh, Hatzenbuhler, Um And the idea behind it is that the reason why there's a health disparity between minorities, people of a, minori- a minority group or stigmatized group and those of a non-minority or stigmatized group is not because they have inherent physiological symptoms that make them like, less healthy. It's because there is a link between stigma and lower health. Um, so the idea is that there are three interacting um, pieces of it. There's a structural uh, stigma, such as uh, state policies, institutional practices, that is actively like, working against you and denying you like, insurance, denying you care at certain places. There's also interpersonal stigma, so you could get physically abused, you could get rejected. But anyway, the idea is that you're discriminated against people to people. And then the last bit of stigma that contributes to lower health is individual. So this is often self-stigma. Um, and that's the idea that you are internalizing what everyone is saying about your group and you're saying this is true. I have a lot of cognitive and effective reactions to it that is actively lowering my ability to cope and to be a healthier person. So you can be a minority and say everyone knows you're a minority, um, and you will feel a lot of stigma, and you will feel like you have less chances to live a healthy life, but you can also be a part of a minority that no one really recognizes it f- from the outset because you might fit in or you might like be passing. Um, and that's called a concealable stigma and the idea in research for a long time was oh people who have a concealable sti- concealable stigma don't have lower health because they are able to navigate the world without feeling as if they are being forced to undergo certain forms of discrimination but recently people have been saying that a concealable stigma might actually still be um, affecting you partially because of this individual piece of the minority stress model so um, there was another study done by this guy named Eric Scrimshaw who was actually the professor that taught my thesis seminar class and he did a giant survey of behaviorally bisexual men who were um, quote-unquote closeted so they hadn't really told people that they're bisexual and especially they hadn't told their partners and this survey was done primarily with behaviorally bisexual men who had female partners Um, so concealment is the idea that you're hiding some aspect of yourself from the public. Like you're actively trying to keep this a secret. And then disclosure is the idea that you are sharing personal information with others. And the idea is like, oh, if you have high disclosure, then you have low concealment or vice versa. Okay, so the reason why Professor Scrimshaw did this study is because he wanted to explore why it was that, on average, bisexual men had lower mental health than gay-identified men, because the idea is that if you are gay-identified, people will discriminate against you more, and he learned that for bisexual men, a lot of them were engaging in concealment, which is a desire to hide, because um, they felt like there wasn't like a, a source of community for them, and this concealment was what was actively contributing to their lower mental health, um, which goes back to the minority stress model, where the individual self-stigma is a large component of what links stigma to your... Um, health disparity. And then I think another thing that they discovered in the study, which is, you know, not saying that this is law, obviously you need to have reproducibility, but from this one study, we're getting the idea that concealment could also be linked to lower mental health because of the two ideas of social support and internalized homophobia. So when you conceal, you are actively isolating yourself and avoiding groups that could provide external support, which is very important because as we learned in the case of Piper, sometimes if you are left to the voices in your head, you might go a little batty. Um, So that is the idea that social support is affected by concealment, which affects your ability to have resilience and to cope with um, stress. And then internalized homophobia is linked again to what we said about self-stigma. And that's the idea that you yourself are ashamed of who you are and you're constantly monitoring, uh, why am I like this? I can't tell people, did I tell this person? Blah, 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 blah. That is creating a lot of inability to focus on your interpersonal relationships. It's the inability to really um, promote healthy behaviors in yourself. By the way, Professor Scrimshaw, if I am completely butchering this, feel free to just see me on campus and give me a good solid slap because I would have deserved it. Just a little kick. Just a little kick, yeah. Give me one in the shin. I don't need those shins. Um, So, And I also think it's important here to mention that this is not really a generalizable study to everyone in the LGBTQ plus population. It was mainly bisexual men who were not identified as bisexual, um, who didn't self-identify. so to recap, uh, why I wanted to bring this up in relation to what we have just seen in the scene with Piper and Phoebe coming to terms with the fact that Piper is a witch is because a lot of the internal struggle that Piper went through was um, a feeling of self-stigma. She felt like all of these uh, structural, interpersonal relationships were telling me, because her interpersonal relationship with her pastor, the structural relationship of like how the
2: church of <laughs> church of Christ the church of
1: catholicism catholic church yes yeah. how the cha- catholic church views who she is she thought to herself i am no longer worthy or i am no longer like the good person that i want to be or that i thought i was and all of this like constant self-evaluation um, well we don't know if it was really like causing her poor health but i'm just it
0: sure seemed like it though
1: yeah I'm just linking it to this um, discussion in the wider public health literature that when you have this kind of um,
0: internalized stigma, it is really... It seems difficult to break out of without a community.
1: Yes. Yes. There was a word that I was looking for. It's very bad for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> very bad you know, for you. No, I had you. a
1: better word for it. I just get nervous. Detrimental? When
0: like, talk detrimental. It's extremely detrimental to your mental and emotional health. Yeah.
1: Um, And I'm sorry, I I will say one last thing and then we can move on. Totally. Um, And this is not, like, totally related to the show, but I thought it was really cool for good old Prof Scrimshaw to (laughs) – good old Prof Scrimmy to uh, mention. But um, when he said that from their findings they were discovering that disclosure might be distinct from concealment – he said that this was challenging models of sexual identity development that have been previously um, offered up in past research studies. And I thought that was really cool because he's saying that it's not just the idea that you are sharing this information with people, it's the idea that you are fully integrating it into who you want to be. Mm. Um, Professor Grimshaw, again, if I got it wrong, Good, solid, swift kick to the shins. I would not
0: mind at all. Thank you, Bryce, for bringing a little bit of education into our lives. I appreciate that so, so much. Oh, my God. Okay. Real world consequences, people. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: Um, All right. So I think after this, we just go to Prue and Andy, and they're on a date.
0: Dating in the 90s. That's it. That's all you got to know. in the 90s because both of their pagers <laughs> go off at the same time. Uh, Andy's like shake of the head and he's like, oh, dating in the 90s. Uh, that's my favorite line from this entire episode. Um, yes. So they're dating in the 90s and they both agree to put this sleeping together incident behind them. Incident? Oh, I accidentally slept with you happily. Oops. (laughs) Um, I can't believe I had an accidentally good time. Yeah, exactly. That I consented to. But Prue feels as though they're moving too fast, Mm -hmm. so they agree to take a pause and to start over. Okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, Okay, what happens
0: after this? Oh, we go back to the church. Piper in the church. Oh, this was my... this is such a good scene. This is such a good scene. Yes. You know why? Because Piper, he- Piper hypes herself up. She says, I'm a good witch. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Nobody can tell me otherwise. And you know how I'm going to prove that to myself and the world once and for all? I'm going to step up to that door of the church. I am going to step over the threshold, almost fall down, peek around a little bit." Nothing happened, nobody saw me, there's no thunder, there's no lightning. And she raises her arms to the sky and she goes, I'm good. (laughs) And it's, oh, Holly Marie Combs, an acting triumph. Yeah. Thank you. That made me feel so happy. I feel like Piper was completely validated and she's working every day to accept herself. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, right. Oh, and then she sees Brittany. Yes, Brittany, the woman who had her life sucked from her.
0: Yeah, one of them. And But the one we saw in the beginning at the bar with the hand right. tattoo, who is such good friends with the Hallowells. Right, and got kidnapped. And she finds Brittany as an old person in this cardigan. Yes, Piper's like, hey, I know that hand tattoo.
1: Oh, yeah. you're an old lady. What? Uh, so they take them back. She, uh, she takes Brittany back to
0: the Hallowell mansion, and... Um, and that's it. That's it. Um, and then the next scene, Rex and Hannah. Um, so it's Prue's final interview, and she's identifying various artifacts and artworks, and then accidentally a paint can spills from a ladder, and she uses her powers once again in weird CGI paint to deflect the paint, and it gets on Hannah, who is, I guess, the assistant's shoes and splatters. And... Uh, Rex offers her the job, she takes the job, and she runs the heck out of there. And we find out that Rex and Hannah know that Prue's a witch.
1: Um, So then we move on to the Hallow Manor yet again. So now Piper's trying to convince Prue that Brittany's something new, and her uh, life force no. Her age has been taken away from her. So mm. then they go to the book, and the Book of Shadows, and they discover that the only one who can do that is someone named Javna.
0: Javna. Cue the industrial rock.
2: <laughs> um, and uh,
0: the best line from this scene is, uh, And I'm Rosie O'Donnell. Nineties, nineties, nineties. Okay. So, And then they find out from a napkin that Brittany finds on the fridge and causes her to faint, that the address that Phoebe is going to.
1: To meet up with Stefan. To meet
0: up with Stefan is actually Javna's residence or his evil sucking life, Yes, I'm gorgeous residence. (laughs)
1: I'm gorgeous. The warehouse. Um, Brittany remembers it well. So now we've got the Hallowells rushing to the warehouse. We've got, uh, okay, I'll just mention it really quickly. The detectives have been looking through the footage of the outside of the restaurant that once again, Piper somehow runs and they're like, all the girls who went missing are leaving, seen leaving with this Stefan character. And his last known place of residence was, I guess, a warehouse? Yeah. So now they're speeding off in their little cup cars. <laughs> and everyone's converging
0: upon the warehouse where Piper... No, where Phoebe... Is Phoebe, car- Phoebe went. Phoebe went. and But she gets to the door and she has a premonition of herself being strapped to the table and Javna sucking the life force out of her. Yeah. So she gets in the car and she tries to go but then a hand goes over her mouth, and we assume it's Javna. She got kidnapped.
1: Um, all right, so then she wakes up, she's on the slab, and Javna is, you know, doing his little, like, I am a Javna. I am a Javna. This warehouse has
0: everything <laughs> laser eyes, <laughs> rave music, Porsches, small handheld mirrors, small handheld mirrors. The kids will love it. Okay. Anyway.
1: (laughs) Um, So she's like, don't do this. Uh, And then Piper and and Prue arrive, and they're like, we're the only ones who can stop this. Uh, So they break in.
0: (laughs) They break in, and they've taken a spell from the Book of Shadows um, in which they are to construct the Hand of Fatima, which was used apparently by the Prophet Muhammad Mm -hmm. in order to ward Javna off so many years ago. Mm -hmm. So... They, they get there and the fight scene ensues in which, uh, they distract Javna. Javna goes after Prue first with his laser eyes and then, (laughs) um, laser laser eyes eyes. and they, and, and (laughs) Pipey, (laughs) Pipey, that's Piper and Phoebe, (laughs) Pipey and Piper and Phoebe, um, are getting Phoebe off the table. And they say, Prue, use the mirror, the conveniently placed tiny mirror. And she picks it up and she deflects Mm. Javna's laser eyes back at him. His own vanity. Physics. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, We learn so much on this podcast. Well, we do. (laughs) Public health, physics, um, queer theory, queer theory, feminist theory, film theory, film theory. It's all theoretical from here. Um, except for physics. Because those lasers (laughs) bounce right back at Javna, and while he's distracted being lasered by himself, Prue, Piper, and Phoebe get together again in this triangle power of three formation, and they recite another strange spell, and Prue is the one who develops the hand of Javna, with little wriggly, not hand of Javna, the hand of Fatima with little wriggly snake shadowy things, and they defeat... Javna in this, like, five-stage <laughs> devolution of, yeah. a, of a demon body.
1: Yeah, it's, like, him, then his, like, bones, and then that turns into dust. dust. And then
0: the dust blows away. <laughs> so, Bryce, yeah, on a scale from Jeremy to Jeremy, mm-hmm. as you might remember, Jeremy was the warlock they defeated in the first episode. Mm-hmm. On a scale of Jeremy's, yeah. How melodramatic do you think this death was? Um out of like five Jeremy's,
1: I honestly think this was like maybe a three.
0: Hmm. Okay. See, I would give it points for these stages of uh,
1: yeah.
0: of dissolving yeah. Javna, because I thought that was pretty dramatic. Yeah. But he did not give a monologue.
1: He didn't give a monologue. And my reasoning was that um, the whole fight scene was very fast. Mm-hmm. For instance, with the original Jeremy, uh, there was like this whole process where he struggled with the in the elevator with um, Piper, and then she escaped, and then they went home, and then they did the like voodoo doll, and then he still esca- like he like survived that, and then he got into their house, and then they barricaded their attic. It was like a whole process.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you. Three three out of five Jeremys for Jobna's death scene, and I would also say that. In this episode, in particular, the demon was absolutely not the most important part um, I yeah, would say yes so for sure the through line, even though Prue also had her thing with Andy and, and figuring that out, I would say the most resonant through line for me was that of Piper's story of learning to accept herself as a witch. Mm -hmm.
1: And I think that because we're still so early in the series and we're still learning, like, how do these three people grapple with this very new occurrence in their life? I think that that was an important thing to touch upon because that is one of the first things that happens. You're like, okay, now this new thing has happened. How do I emotionally resolve this
0: with who I am? Definitely. So, they've defeated Javna. Daryl and Andy get there after the fact. And um, The three, the Charmed Ones, have to pretend that, oh, Phoebe was just about to leave, but then the the car stalled or wouldn't work or something, Uh and Andy reaches over and turns on the ignition and is like, huh. Odd. Odd. Something suspicious is going (laughs) on here. This is... Captain Trudeau, or invest whatever his name is. <laughs> Captain Trudeau. <laughs> Captain Trudeau. I, I
1: think... Uh,
0: Inspector Trudeau.
1: I might take the reins here and just kind of wrap it up, because I think it. that this was really the last thing that happened, and the only thing that we really learned from this final scene was that um, uh, T.W. King is 5'11". Oh, yes, very important. <laughs> and Prue is 5'3". Yeah.
0: yeah, she's an inch taller than you. Or no? Well, she's a quarter of an inch <laughs> taller me. than... That. There you have it, folks. That's it. That's the episode. Um, and then, of course, they do a little toast at the very end, back and Quake to the power of three.
2: Yeah.
0: So they have a little nice ending, uh, centering the three, essentially. Yeah. There we go again. Thank you for listening. I gotta run. Thank you for listening. I'd like to let everyone know that This morning, even though we only had an hour to record, um, Bryce went to Zabar's and got me black and white cookies because I have a really long day, and that's the power of friendship and the power of two. So what do you do? (laughs) Um, Oh, golly. (laughs) So thank you everyone so much for listening. Uh, Um, Please tell your friends (laughs) about us. The two idiots. Yeah. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. And do you have
1: any thoughts about what we said today? Because, um, you know, we only have two thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> and you would likely have more as a collective hive mind. So uh, comment
0: on our social media channels. Email us. Uh, we'll put that on the description. Yeah. Charmedspellcast at gmail.com. Yeah. You can also find us on Instagram at charmedspellcast. And... Um, Please get ready to listen to, oh, I should say, uh, the songs that you have heard so far are original. I am the person who is both recording and writing them, and you will get a new song every single week. Thank you so much, Shayna.
1: All right. Uh, we'll, we'll catch you next time, I guess.
2: Yeah,
0: catch you later.
1: Bye,
2: listeners. Bye. Is it wrong, if it's my refrain, that I can't help wondering if I'll be who I was again? I feel I've changed, not in ways I can't predict.
0: Bud Media. Audio for everyone.